welcome to another exciting episode of 100 Words or Less, the podcast. I'm your host, Trey Harkins. I may sound a little more excited than usual, and that is because I'm home. I am not living with my parents anymore, and that's that's a great thing. So for those of you who have been sending their well wishes and saying, I hope your house gets repaired soon, thank you. Thank you so much, and oh, it feels so great. Anyways, that's not why you came here. You came here for the guest, and a very special guest he is. This is Valentino Ortega from Of Mice and Men. Some of you may be saying, whoa, dude, that is a drastic departure from most of your guests, because Of Mice and Men is a massive band. When I say massive, like they're arguably, with the exception of a very old episode I have with Matt from Avenge Sevenfold, probably the biggest band that I've ever had on this podcast. But, and you know, may stylistically fall very far away from what you personally listen to if you're into punk and or hardcore. Of Mice and Men is a force to be reckoned with. They are obviously very popular and I have known Tino, as he, as many of his friends call him, I've known him for quite some time. And he was one of those people where under no pretense of knowing me and like wanting to get something from me, he's always been like just a level, chill, cool guy. Like you could tell he was focused and driven on playing in a band. But anyways, I'm getting too far ahead of myself. More on that in a few moments. But let's get some formalities, some items of business, some items of discussion out and about. Visit 100wordspodcast.com. I would appreciate it. You can sign up for the email newsletter on the right side of the page, and you can also donate to the show if you are feeling that giving spirit. It's actually neat. I've had a few people donate recently and then almost immediately email me about something. It's cool because they're basically kind of, you know, in some way, shape or form paying me for my time where it's just like, oh, hey, I'm emailing you. I would like a response. I want a piece of advice or whatever. And, you know, you don't need to do that in order to reach out to me. But I appreciate it when you do. I, I just, yeah, it gives me the warm fuzzies. So because people often reach out to me about like, hey, I'm visiting Southern California. Like, can you recommend cool stuff to do? Sure, I can do that, of course. And especially if you're vegan, dude, I will point you to all the spots. I digress. Anyways, some cool things have been happening from people who have been reaching out to the show. I'm going to speak in a classroom soon enough because of this particular show to some high school students, which is awesome. I'm very excited about doing that. And then a special shout out to my homie, Dan Reed. He runs a business called Chicago Vegan Foods who makes incredible, incredible vegan marshmallows and vegan cheese and a bunch of other vegan goodies. And he reached out to me because of this show. I never knew him. We have many mutual friends, but he just sent me an email saying, yo, dude, your show's awesome. And then I was able to meet him in real life because he was here in Southern California and he got me into this amazing sort of product expo where they sample a million different kinds of natural and vegan and vegetarian foods. And I was in heaven. Thank you very much, Dan. But yeah, it's just fun. These are the connections that I love to make. So yes, basically email the show. That's what I'm trying to say. Let's focus on Tino. So he plays drums in the band of Mice and Men. And, you know, I mean, they're massive. Like, you know, they can play to a lot of people. They, you know, they just did a little little tour with Linkin Park. No big deal. And um, a lot of people would look at a band like Of Mice and Men and be like, oh man, I don't know, that's, that's, it's kind of BS, it's kind of lame. And whether or not you like them musically at all, 
I want you to listen to this episode because I think it's very emblematic of what a lot of people like to do with bands that are playing music. It's very easy to paint these bands that are large and, you know, kind of uh, something that you might not immediately listen to. You may look at them in an issue of Alternative Press or on Warp Tour or wherever you're consuming your media. Look at them, look at a band like that and throw stones at them and be like, oh, dude, just a t- total BS band. Like, I, I, they, they didn't even work to do this or whatever, whatever you're thinking. I want to caution you from doing that because a lot of the times, these bands that you feel may be, you know, inauthentic, uh, crappy, whatever adjective you want to put on it, have actually worked really hard to get there. And whether or not you identify with them musically, that doesn't matter. You can't take away the fact that it takes hard work to build this stuff. And Tino is exactly that sort of person. So listen to this interview. Whatever preconceived notions you may have of this particular band, just put those aside and listen to this conversation for what it is, because I think it's really important stuff. I, I apologize for putting all these like caveats in here of like, oh, this is why you should listen to it. But like I said, I just know that people have immediate gut reactions to bands like Of Mice and Men. But put those aside. Just listen to this for what it is of just a really hardworking dude who wants to play drums in a band. <laughs> So anyways, thank you, Tino, for your time. And here is my discussion with him. And I will talk to you after the interview. Introduction to you. Yeah, sure. Kind of, you know, becoming aware of you. I just remember, you know, because like, we met when you were in Lower Definition, correct? Yeah. Okay. It was where Makoto was playing with you guys. I can't remember exactly... Where, I mean, it must have been like the alley in Fullerton yeah, or yeah, somewhere. I'm sure, probably maybe the train station in Fullerton or sure somewhere in that somewhere it. somewhere in a local small sweaty venue exactly that probably wasn't sold out absolutely and, not. But it was a crazy show nonetheless. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. But so I just remember I just remember you being extremely enthusiastic. Like, oh yeah, it was one of those things where it was like because you know obviously like obviously that wasn't my first band, but mm. so any, once you get a little older, you start to see certain, uh, archetypes where it's right, just right. like, you're like, Oh, that's like the overenthusiastic. That dude's going to punish me. <laughs> or I hope that's not what you were thinking. I d- honestly, I didn't, I was actually going to correlate that to right, the right. fact that like, it seemed like you were excited, but there was a genuineness about you as opposed to like, I just want to know you because you'll probably do something for me. Right. Exactly. Cause I think a lot of people, especially when you're younger, you fall into that where it's just like, oh, I got to meet that guy because they can yeah, do yeah. something for Yeah, me. I need to meet that guy instead right. of like, oh man, that'd be cool to meet that guy and like just say, hey, I'm stoked on your band. Right. This is a sick show. Right. You know, I'm pumped, which I'm sure that's, I still do that to this day to every band that we tour with or have toured with and I'm, you know, stoked about. So it's no surprise to me that you heard that and I'm glad that it wasn't the, the punishing punishing view which i'm sure i was you know like we were all young once and of around people that got us stoked and you yeah. know sometimes we didn't know how to act but yeah i mean even still i could be punishing right <laughs> well I, but i think even though that may be overwhelming for some people i think it is one of those things where it is once that sort of uh once that kind of fades away with age right as long as you don't lose the enthusiasm because i think that's what puts people in a place of becoming jaded or right over of course it. And it's like, if you don't have that core enthusiasm, you're just like, well, dude, like this isn't going to last. Yeah. There's no spark left, but that's to me, that's kind of like my spark. Why I'm still stoked about music and Mm -hmm. like 
meeting people and doing interviews like this is like, I'm stoked, you know, like, right. and it's, and it's a genuine feeling of being able to, you know, talk about the things I want to talk about with somebody that I meet at a show or something like that, or at a, you know, a music convention or, right. you know, on the street or, you know, anywhere. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's sad. Cause I'm sure that you've obviously seen people who it's like, obviously when you get to the level of, you know, where you're at now, mm-hmm. where you're obviously, I mean, the band is your income, the band becomes a business touring lifestyle, you know, you're gone, whatever, 250 days out of the year. Yeah. And a lot of people slip into the like, Oh, like, Oh, this is my job. Like, you know, yeah, yeah. it's awesome. But like, Oh man, like it just, it starts to chip away. That enthusiasm. Right, for sure. Yeah. I can, I guess I could see that for me. It, it's, it's what I've always, you know, wanted to do as far as I always knew I was going to be a musician from when I first started playing music. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how, or, you know, in, in what aspect, cause it wasn't even until like middle school that I'd, kind of got or like later elementary and middle school is when I got into like rock music and like heavier stuff. And then ultimately my life took that turn right. down that road. But um, I always knew that I wanted to do something in music and I feel like I can still definitely be stoked about it every day because I'm finally at that point mm-hmm. and it's like, damn cool. All right. So now I just keep being the same person that I am that has brought me to this place right? and continue on and upward and, for many more years. Right, right, right. Well, backing up, like yeah. you're alluding to, so you were, you were born and raised in San Diego, like, the, yep. like you mentioned Chula Vista. Was that where you were primarily yeah. raised in? Yeah. Um, my family and I lived in Imperial beach for the first couple years of my life. Okay. And then we moved to like inland Chula Vista so I could move to a better school district and uh, not be raised like kind of by the beach with the craziness and all that. Sure. Um, so they kind of opted for a little more of like the suburban, Okay. The outskirts. Yeah, yeah. And um yeah, so then school and music and all what was those your, things came after. Sure, sure. What was your uh what was your like your family structure like? Like brothers and sisters, mother and father in the house? Um yeah, mother and father. Dad played music a bunch, but nothing like he was always like a guitar fiddler, so he would just fiddle with the guitar and stuff like that. And my mom always loved hearing the guitar and having music, so um they have a strong relationship. They're still together today. Oh, that's awesome. And um, when my brother was born when I was like eight and then him and I like, he kind of took after me with the music and then we just kind of play, grew up playing music together and uh-huh. doing stuff like that. What did you, what um, did your parents do for a living down there? Uh, my mom was a dental hygienist and my dad worked at and still works for Union Bank. Okay. And I think he's gone through a ton of different jobs oh, I'm through sure. there, but- now he's, he's, always, he's been with the company. Yeah. He's been with the company like almost 30 years now. Wow. So, um, from being a teller to everything like that. So it was kind of like, a. they were kind of working a lot growing up, but they, sure. I don't feel like I was ever like neglected in that sense. You know, like they always tried to cultivate the things that I like to do, which I'm very appreciative of now. Mm-hmm. Cause at the time I was like, ah, oh, man, you know, I don't want to practice this. I don't want to do that. And all the things that they were like, no, you have to do it you should do it because you're going to appreciate it later. I'm like, damn, you were right. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) So as I get older, I love coming to those realizations and being like, damn, you know, like I see why you did that. Yeah, exactly. And you know, hopefully I'll be able to pass that along to my future generations as well. Right, right, right. But, um, I felt like that was, that was pretty important for my upraising because they never really like censored my music. They never really, you were pretty free. Yeah, exactly. For the most part. I mean, as long as I got good grades growing up, I could play music and I could do, you like, hey, you do held the things up, that I wanted to do. 
I think that's a really important point because I think a lot of people, especially from, you know, the whatever the the tumultuous relationship that most kids have once they start to get into their teenage years. Right. But like that level of trust is so implicit where you're like, as long as you child hold up right. your end of the bargain. Exactly. I'm not going to come down on you. Right, right. And it's <laughs> right, like, right, it, right. I, I know for I, have a, I had a very similar experience where it was like, then you started to test like, all right, well, what like. What would, what is that boundary? Like right, what exactly. is going to get you bummed out? Oh, that'll get you bummed out. Okay. I won't do that. Right, right, right. Yeah. But I can, I'll, I'll, exactly, I'll, exactly. It's finding, finding its own level, so to speak. Right, right. And so you, uh, you know, what kind of kid did you find yourself being as you were growing up? Were you like super into sports? Were you like an introvert? Where did um, you, you don't strike me as an introvert. No, definitely not. I, I don't know. I was always playing outside and always like going over to my friend's house. Like, like I said, from a young age, I was playing music. So I kind of gravitated towards like the neighborhood friends that did play music. So like I had a friend who um, was a drummer and I would go over and play drums at his house. And his dad was a professional world touring percussionist. And um, so he had just had musical oh, instruments yeah. all over his house. So I was like, this is awesome. This is a you know? yeah. Yeah. And then everything from like video games kind of, but it was always, it was always music for me, I guess. Yeah. I could never really find focus in anything else, but you know, playing music. I, I tried sports. Not really. The The most sports I probably did was like marching band. It was always just like listening to music and playing music and then going and skateboarding. You know, I, I started skating when I was probably like eight and then did that from, you know, until high school. You know, everyone right. gets around. Of who course. Listens, everyone who listens to punk music or metal music got around on a skateboard at one point or another. Absolutely. And um, I never really took that too seriously, but I used to like to go to skate demos and new skate parks in San Diego would open up all the time as I was growing up. Right. So that was cool. My parents would take me to that and I'd get to go skate those and do stuff like that. And that would go hand in hand with punk shows. And like, you know, there'd be a punk band playing or something. I'm like, man, that's so sick. Yeah. I'm skating this bowl. Not, you know, I, yeah. wasn't, I was never very good, but right, I right. felt like I always, you kinda, appreciate, you appreciate the culture. Exactly. It was, it was interesting. Yeah. It was a, that was definitely a big part of my growing up is, you know, skating and punk and surfing. And although I, I never surfed, but that just kind of came hand in the boarding, the Absolutely. boarding sports was the things that I like to watch on TV and mm -hmm. X games. And I think know, it's such a, stuff. yeah, it's, it's, it's an important point because I think so many people in Southern California where it's like, you know, so many other places across the country that obviously, I mean, it, it's easy now to connect, you know, action sports and that, right. like aggressive music, right, right. but it's like at one point that was, different you know a person in new york city would be like wait you surf and you listen to like or whatever yeah, like exactly, exactly it was a little harder connection to make but that right. was like for us that was so like oh even if i don't do it i'm aware of it right i can like attempt to and be horrible at it right but i still like am into it you know right right definitely <laughs> and so what uh cult culturally speaking what, what's your what's your you know our, what's your background um my father's side of the family is peruvian okay so he's from <laughs> um, yeah, he's, he's from Lima, Peru, my okay. whole, um, Peruvian side of the family lives out there and, um, him and my, the way that him and my mom met were, they were tour guides in both tour guides in South America. My mom is, um, from San Diego and then lived in Oregon for a long time. So they met while they were both tour guides in South America and they met on one tour <laughs> and got, they dated, went on three dates in between the next tour whenever they could. Yeah. And then we're married like less than a month after they had met or something like that. Whirlwind romance. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's funny because now 
my life is kind of not taking shape like that, but it's, uh-huh. it's no wonder why I love traveling so much and I love going and visiting places. And right. I, I see so many similarities in myself and my parents just because of where they were in their lives at that point. Sure. So, um, yeah, you could look at it and be like, all right, so, you know, this is where they were in their late twenties. Yeah. And like, that's kind of what yeah, I, Yeah, that's kind of exactly what I'm doing too. And, uh, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. So, yeah. So my dad's family is from Peru and he, his only life that he knew was out there. So then when he met my mom, they, um, they were about to have me and then they moved to San Diego. Okay. Where they were both, my mom was trying to tour because of making money to be able to support that. But she did that until she absolutely couldn't tour anymore. Mm -hmm. So then she went home to be with her family for the last, you know, couple months of her pregnancy. And then my dad almost didn't make it for my birth because he was still on tour. And so he made it like hours before I was born, which was on, on Valentine's day. And, uh, all the way back in 1986. Incredible. <laughs> yeah. So right around this time that year, yeah. he was probably on a flight trying to get to the, trying to get to, to the, the U.S. Yeah. To see me being born. And then ultimately from that point, they both quit touring right then mm-hmm. and started their life. Right. Realizing that. Yeah. Uh, realizing that. We got to be responsible. Exactly. Right. So it was right then that they, we moved to a little like cottage one bedroom or like a studio yeah one bed like whatever uh cottage like by the beach in imperial beach and right the rest is history right right <laughs> the only only reason i ask is because i you know from from san diego there's obviously more of a cultural you know you're not right, just right. a white dude playing in a band yeah like, yeah the, there's a lot more like hispanic influence and stuff and being from chula Vista, you know all, all my homies were a lot of them were from Mexico and yeah. we, it, we were no stranger to going down to TJ at right. any given point for anything. Cause of course it's two exits away. You totally, know, like totally. it, it's so easy to get there. And yeah. because my parents were travelers, I had a, I had a passport at a very young age too. And we did a lot of traveling when I was growing up too. Okay. So yeah, you um, were, you were, you were used to that, that right, right. Seeing the atmosphere. Cult, yeah. Cultural awareness of, of everything, like kind of anywhere that I would go. Yeah, no, and that's what's, it's, it's cool. Cause anytime, obviously you see someone who isn't like I alluded to before, where it's just like, Oh, another white dude in a band, like honest, like that experience is very, uh, it's been done. (laughs) And so it's like, anytime you see a little tired, (laughs) it's honestly, yeah. And so it's like, anytime you see, and especially within the context of like, whatever, punk, hardcore, independent music, you know, traditionally speaking, it's like, you know, you're going to see at a, any given show, whatever, 80 to 90% is either, you know, white males or females. And so it's like, anytime you see a different person, it's like, like you had to work a little bit harder for (laughs) that. I mean, not like there's obviously blatant racism that happens within our community, but then there is, uh, there's less of a, uh, a, a predilection for you to be like, right. Oh, I'm, I'm, I want to know what's, what's up with that. Yeah. 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 I, I always felt like the music, as far as anything culturally for me, the music always spoke louder than anything else. You yeah, know, like yeah. it didn't matter what kind of, or, you know, what color your skin was or what your right. ethnicity was. And that was something that I really loved about, you know, later in life, getting into the hardcore scene and all that, realizing the the unity in it and like, the bringing of all different cultures, you know, everyone mm-hmm. coming together and playing in a band. And it's like, whoa, dude, there's like all these different types of musicians from, you know, every point in the globe. Like, yeah, or yeah, yeah, even yeah. In America. And right. It was cool to see the diversity as, you know, later as you start to not listen so much to mainstream or, you know, yeah. You start to get into what you start to you, get you into. You dive deeper. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, diving yeah. deeper. You starting. 
to get introduced to whatever independent music, punk, hardcore, mm-hmm. metal, whatever you want to define it as. Did that start to happen like in early high school where you started to really like kind of like go to shows yeah, and stuff it was, like that? It was definitely more like, like I said, like in sixth grade, yeah, yeah. I was like, I was like pretty much into like Blink-182 and sure. uh, Green Day and stuff like that before. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then my friend showed me the corn self-titled tape and I was like, whoa, Heaviest thing this ever. is insane. And that same week, my friend's sister picked us up from school and she was blasting the most insane thing I had ever heard, which was Slipknot surfacing, Yeah, which is the fuck it all, fuck this. And I was right. like, my virgin ears, what is this? I need more. Are they really cussing that much? This right. is, you know, and this it's like, amazing. Cause yeah. at the time I, I hadn't, I hadn't, I had heard like a couple of songs with like cursing or whatever. Just, I don't know. It was super edgy. Yeah. And it was like, wow, they are pissed. Right. You know, and that's a feeling that I've, you know, I, I can never really connect with because I'm, I'm a more outgoing, like happy. I'm always whistling. I'm always like, yeah, you're a positive something. guy. Yeah. A positive right. guy. But I feel like that's such a, a yin to my, or the yang to my yin or whatever. Yeah. That it's always been such a huge influence on me because I just love that it's kind of far removed from the person that I am. So sure. it's like, I can be somebody else when I listen to that music or right. when I play that music or something like that. It's almost like a, it's a different persona. Sure. So like that's when, so I heard those bands and I was like, man, there's gotta be more out there. So then I'd pick my friend's sister's brain for like other bands. And then that's how I started finding out about like, and then I go look at all the links section and that's how I kind of like developed this sure. knowledge of underground bands that were from, you know, all these different places because there was this whole world in heavy music that I had never that I never even knew existed, mm-hmm. you know? So that was a, that was a cool like turning point was I remember that in sixth grade and then sixth grade camp, we were listening to that corn tape nonstop. Right. Like, oh, it was, yeah, it was crazy. And, um, and then going into middle school, all of my friends and I, like we all kind of like started playing band instruments. Like we were all like, all right, you're going to learn the guitar and I'll be the bass player and I'll be the drummer. And it was like, everyone was that, yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like, kind of like trying to, we're going to make music like this. And it was, you know, it didn't come until a long way later that, Oh, of we course. You, well, stuff. you have to be terrible yeah. for a long time. So like then after that, then we would do like talent shows and. Oh, nice. I, the high I, school talent I, shows. Oh yeah, of course. And I, I never felt cooler than playing brain stew and uh smells like teen spirit oh it's amazing. medley plus the 32nd of the original instrumental that we had prepared and all oh, dude yeah. that's a, that's, those moments are so huge yeah. where you get because you feel you feel cool yeah. most of the time your fellow students look at you like dude this is some weird shit like yeah for sure they were not they were not used to seeing that but it well, was cool and that's kind of like then after once once those kind of things happen and like performing and yeah then hearing about the coffee shop show and, you know, like the older, the older people in the school, like, Oh yeah, my band's doing this. My band's doing that. Mm-hmm. So then I was like, well, I got to hang with those guys. Cause those guys are in bands playing shows. Right. Doing, they're things. doing what I want to yeah, do. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So then you, I, were you, were you at that time, were you doing drums or had you been assigned to drums or were you? No, I was, I was doing guitar <laughs> okay. and uh guitar singing and like backup vocals and stuff like that. Okay. And, um, so I had like my own band that was like a pop punk kind of pop punk band ish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ish. Yeah. And, um, please tell me you had a terrible name. Um, uh, well, yeah, we were at first we were called all out and then we changed our name to elite Mohican, oh. which I loved. That's like, that's funny. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. That's a good, <laughs> cause we were, I was like all about Mohawks and stuff like that. Still okay. am. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that hasn't changed. Yep. Yeah. And, um, 
Okay. Yeah, so so then was that, did what, that we, and, did you start to play shows with the, with that? Yeah, we we did some shows. Like I played, I booked us a, a like a festival show with Rufio one time. Oh yeah, at the Xanth in San Diego, and sure. I would always just try and hit up anywhere because I knew from talking to my friends that were already in bands. I was like, well, I already know where all these bands are playing, so. I'm going to call those people and be like, Hey, I've got a band and we would fit perfect on that. Show. So were you, were, cause yeah, it does it, something that, you know, I was going to bring up later, but it, it, the, you know, typically speaking, like drummers of bands are mm. usually like, well, first of all, like never spoken to, right. Like you just, <laughs> just sit back there, do your thing. It's yeah. fine. Um, but so that's why I find it cool that you are, you know, you are such a visual presence within the context of, of mice and men. Right. Thank like, you. People talk to you, right? And you're course. not just like this. This guy, like, yeah, he's he's yeah, cool, the do but, nothing drummer. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and it, and it, so it, it's cool to hear that you were kind of like this, whatever, go getter slash businessman for sure. But, yeah, I, I still am. That's always, it's always kind of been the person that I was. Is you know, my my parents taught me that if you want something, you got to get it. Nobody else is going to do any of the work for you. Yeah. So it was kind of like, all right, well. We sound good enough in my parents' living room and in the garage or, you know, wherever. Right. So let's go and play a show in front of people, you know, at a coffee shop or do this. Right. So then I was calling up coffee shops and being like, yo, can we play your yeah. open mic night or whatever? Sure. And then that's kind of like after doing that, I kind of developed the balls or something, I guess. it Or just the knowledge and know-how. The to, confidence maybe. Yeah, the, yeah. That, there it is. Like the confidence <laughs> to be able to approach a promoter or something like that and try and market the music that I was creating mm -hmm. in order for them to book a show or right. to listen to my band or to do something, you know, right. Like, to care at all. Exactly. To, yeah. to give a care. Exactly. Right. Right. So, and so then, um, as you, would you define like what you did in lower definition to be kind of the first time that you sort of took a, a national stage, so to speak in yeah, regards definitely. to like, touring and right, right. Yeah. So we were a garage band that, had essentially just exactly like how I said, we, as soon as we all felt like our songs were good enough for an audience, you know, we would pack the garage with 10 and, people. And this was post, this was post high school, right? This was like, no, no, of, no. This, this was, was, this was in 2002. Okay. So I was, uh, this was when I was about a sophomore in high school. Oh, okay. Got it. So, um, that's when I, that's when I jumped over to drums. Cause I'd been playing guitar for a while and I was playing bass in lower different. This, this is the early, early installment of the sure. band before like, we were really even announced or a national touring act or anything like that. Mm -hmm. I was playing bass and singing and uh, we had a drummer who was a close friend of ours, but I found myself more involved in the drum creating process of like, you know, this beat needs to be like this and this stuff needs to be like that. And I think that probably came from my knowledge of music, just kind of all around. And yeah, from, you see, you, you also strike me too as a person, not to interrupt your thought, but the, hmm. the idea that, cause you know, referring to yourself as a musician, like, I mean, you are within every right to refer to yourself as that, but the, the concept of usually when you, you know, you're trying to put together your first bands and stuff right. like that, you're obviously awful. You, you don't, musicianship isn't obviously thought of, but it sounds right. like you were, even though you might not have had the skill to accomplish what right, you were exactly. doing, you were like, that was already soaking into your head of like, yeah. Oh, like, Oh, I'm, I'm picking all this up for later use. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, um, so then I was like, you know, we kind of like stopped practicing for a while and then restarted the band up where mm -hmm. I was on drums because I had started, I had bought a kit um, a year before. So my, the drummer in my, the first band that I ever started would have a drum set. So I was like, I was the kid and I was like, you know, like, my, if my, you're not going to get yeah. it, I'll get it. 
Yeah, exactly. Because I was like, well, this music's going to happen regardless. And that's another instrument that I want to learn because I had always played on my neighbor's kit. So I was like, right. man, it's so cool. Like, I want a drum set. So went and bought that drum set, but never used it. Because sure. the drummer of the first band that I had started was the drummer. Right. So he did that all. And then I, when we took the break to reform Lower Definition and be the be what it was when mm-hmm. we started touring, um, I played drums a lot. And then kind of got good enough to play the songs that we had already written. And I was like, all right, throw me in. Let's just do this. You know, like yeah. I'm having all these ideas anyway. So then we started booking shows outside of, you know, outside of our like local coffee shop and playing places like the Epicenter in San Diego and right. Soma and um, Che Cafe and Ground that was, Zero. That was and, probably when the, the scene was around at that right, time. Right, exactly. Yeah, 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 the scene and all those places too. Yeah, And just kind of like trying to get out and play for you know yeah play for a local audience and make flyers every yeah you, every were, do, you, were, and, you were doing the hustle yeah, yeah, yeah exactly yeah. that kind of started to take place like you said was was sophomore years around like the sort of quote-unquote relaunch of lower definition or was that more yeah, later in i mean that was that was, i feel like that's kind of it was right there in 2002 was when okay. we felt like we started the band okay and that's when we started playing locally got it we recorded uh full length yeah, quote, yeah. Unquote. quote unquote you can't see the bunny ears but yeah, yeah. quote unquote um full length in my bedroom with my four track recording or my dad's four track boss sure recorder that's the size of a freaking macbook right, right or five macbooks stacked on top of each other <laughs> yeah and um so set up mics in my room and i self-produced that and by no means was that good but it was you know it was a bedroom recording it was yeah. like it got, that's it got where it was. started it was, yeah and um, it was all pretty much done on that with very, very basic, you know, computer stuff. And right. it sounds very dated. And it's really funny to listen back to that stuff, which well, sure. I, I don't know if you can even find that on the Internet anymore. Right. But yeah. And so then that's that's when we had a demo and we okay. gave it out at school and burned, spent hours and hours, you know, burning the CDs and stuff. And of course. Handing them out at school and promoting shows of, you know, like just playing around San Diego. Were your, were your parents excited to obviously like see you? you know, do yeah. that sort of stuff. Oh yeah. They were, they were super supportive of it. As like I said, as long as I had good grades, cause I was still in school. Right. And it wasn't until I started touring a lot that they were like, Whoa, hold the phone. Yeah. Hold the phone. What when are you did, doing? When did you do? When were you doing? Cause it, by that time, had you graduated high school before you started like touring or were you just touring in the summers? Like when no, you- it was like, it was about, it was like senior year. Okay. And junior year and senior year, we were going to like Yuma Phoenix, whatever was um, like accessible on a weekend. Yeah. Ex- yeah accessible yeah. like that. And then that kind of went down. Then we started booking, you know, further legs and going out to Texas and doing stuff like that. Right. And then that's when I started kind of like missing out on college and, um, yeah, yeah. That's when the and, rubber hit the road. And, right, yeah. right. and, um, <laughs> and so my parents were pretty bummed about that, but then I was still doing college like on the road and, beforehand and trying to squeeze it in however I could getting leave of absences and okay. you know, stuff like what that. Were you, what were, what were you just going to like a junior college down there? Just yeah. I went like- to the, I went to San Diego city college oh, yeah, and sure. Southwestern college uh, with a major in graphic design and oh, okay. um, new media. So I loved graphic design. I'd been doing that since my dad got a computer and showed me how to use page plus. Right. So like any shirt designs, any album designs, everything that was all me too. Dude, that's, just getting it's hilarious getting involved it, in all that. Yeah, you were just I mean, you you are like the you're the perfect person for that because you're just obviously so the, these are all like essential components of obviously a band and you're just right. like I want to take it all because not only because you're enthusiastic about it, 
but you want to like learn it for yourself. Right. Of course. And that's, you know, that's kind of always, it was always like, what do we need? Okay. I need to learn how to do that. Then. <laughs> and so it, I'm very thankful for it now because now I've been doing some of those things for like 15 years or, right. you know, like I've, I've been in that, in that world mentally for such a long time now that a lot of it just comes second nature. And like, I won't even think about all the things that I'm doing right now. And then, then I'll take a step back and be like, damn, that's crazy. I'm so glad I learned that. Or like, yeah, I'll think back to like a lesson in college that I was like, Oh shit. You know, like jumping back into Photoshop recently, I've been working on a, a tour poster for our upcoming tour. Right. And, um, and I was like, Oh man, how do I do this? And I thought back to one of my college classes and I was like, <laughs> I, I remember. remember. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's something that I don't, you know, it's kind of like just tricks to have in my bag. And I feel like yeah. by no means am I at the top of the learning, you know, there's always more to learn about everything. Of course. Of course. So, but, but I you, feel like you have, a, you have a good enough grasp to be able exactly. to obviously do right. a tour poster yeah, for it, your yeah, band. And, yeah. and it was all those things that I started developing when I was younger, you know, in middle school and in high school when those kind of graphic design and music and mm -hmm. I, that's when I realized what I wanted to do with my life was sure. make album covers and play in a band and make records and design those records. And then, make t-shirts and design cooler t-shirts and right. cooler merch items and put stuff on lunch boxes. And like, you know, like just think of really random ideas that I don't that you know want, I, that you wanted to bring to life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and I feel like being a musician and being an artist all around, it's important to have those ambitions and kind of let that you don't really realize that you have that much creativity until the outlet is put in front of you, you know? Sure. And you can really like drop your whole brain into it. Yeah. And, um, well, you it's know, it, put it all on paper, essentially, or yeah. on wax or on whatever. You know, whatever. Yeah, 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 whatever, whatever medium you're using. Exactly, whatever medium. It, it's so it, it's cool to hear that because it's like, you know, uh, I'm sure obviously you've seen some of uh, either peers or just other people you've toured with where it's yeah. like, to me, the, the most terrifying thing about watching a person like become a very successful band or play in a successful band is like, well, clearly, like, clearly that's not everything. Like there's, right. there's a expiration date on every band at some yeah. point. And then you, you look at those people who like literally have no like quote unquote skills outside right. of the fact of like they, but like you, you're fine, dude. Yeah. Oh, like I, you. <laughs> but see, but I, and I think that's why I've never really worried about it or anything like yeah, that. You've like never, when, you've never when, had to, because I've never really had to think about, I never thought like, oh my God, what if the band's done? You know, like yeah. if, if that were to happen, I'll do a hundred other things, you know, like I'll figure, I'll, yeah, I'll figure it out. Like, cause I just always love being involved in every aspect from booking to designing to managing yeah. to playing you to have all you have all of the experience and the essentials at the core level to right. be able to like transition into whatever you want because i'm like i said i'm sure that there's people that you um know that you see where it's just like it, it like your transition into quote-unquote real life may be tough right for you sure. may struggle for a while yeah. figuring out what you're doing yeah but yeah you you're good <laughs> <laughs> thank you you're welcome <laughs> um it, the and so then as you as you obviously had to make that sort of decision to you know focus on just obviously being in a band from a right. full-time perspective because lower definition was never like a full-time band at that or or well, had yeah, you guys yeah because it was yeah that? it was right right when i was in college we signed a deal with ferret, ferret Music, right and um, we put out our first album the greatest of all lost arts and at that point our band we had been a band for almost like six or seven years right and um we had been essentially the same the same group for five of those years and touring too. So we had all, by the time, like by the time the record came out, we found out 
after the record came out that Ferret was going bankrupt. Yep. Which was very unfortunate to find out <laughs> while they were cooing us into a deal. Of course. That yeah, we yeah. were so stoked about because all of our heroes from Poison the Well to Every Time I Die to Yeah. Every You so guys we were, were like, si- yeah, you guys were signing right at the time when it was like, yeah, I mean Trustkill and Ferret were were as huge as it possibly could be, but on the obviously on the back end, right. that's when it was just like falling apart. Right. And so that was unfortunate to us because um, we, we were out trying to support our record and we kind of, we kind of weren't getting the tour. I mean, we, we got a bunch of tours that we really liked and that we felt like were good for us, mm-hmm. but then it kind of started to dwindle off and then our van started breaking down and, you know, tour support came in or, I mean, the talk of tour support came in and the unfortunate reality that our label was going bankrupt was kind of like, well, it's, it's, it's not it's not looking good for you guys it's not and, there yeah and i'm happy though that we were able to put the record out because i feel like personally it's some of the best work that i've done and at mm-hmm. an early age you know like mm-hmm. where i didn't really know what i was doing and of we course. were just writing songs and recording that and now there's in my mind you know i've recorded so many more songs after that and had so many more instances to learn mm-hmm. you know what it is to record a song and write a song and stuff like that so sure. but but to, um, yeah, to have something like officially out there in the world, like that's the most exciting feeling of like, yeah. this is on a record label. Like yeah. this is in my hands. This yeah, exactly. exists. Yeah. Like, so, um, that happened in about, I believe that was in 2007. Right. And, um, so we had been, we had been a touring band for a while before then. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we didn't have an agent, but, um, my friend who we both know, Dave Shapiro, yep. I've known him since he moved to San Diego from New York. Right. And, um, he would, you know, he threw me bones left and right for shows for us. And, sure. you know, I could get you on these five shows of this tour because they're one-offs and I'm like, we'll drive out there. Right. You know, like, no problem. We'll do it just because, you know, I felt and we all felt like the exposure was important. Mm-hmm. And, um, were your parent, was it, uh, was it a struggle for your parents to understand what you were doing at that point? Definitely. Okay. They were starting to see that it was taking more of my time and more of my attention away from the things that they felt like, you know, to them, they saw me spinning my wheels, which towards the end of when I decided to leave the band, yeah. I started to feel that way too, that, you know, the wheels are spinning that, you know, I'm, you don't feel I'm yabba-dabba doing 110% and, you know, nobody's, nobody's listening. Nobody's, sure. nobody's getting it. Everyone's saying, we don't get it. I'm sorry. You yep. know, like we don't, we don't understand what you guys are trying to do. You need this, you need that. I'm like, no, we don't need that. we you know, we just need somebody to believe in what we're doing. Right. And unfortunately I, that, you know, that you weren't able to rally the troops. right? Yeah. And, and I think that's just, you know, where music was then and Uh just the time and place that of course the record came out and well, it was, yeah, it was definitely a weird era where it was like you were trailing off the, obviously the MySpace hype band days where like they still existed, but it was trailing off in the sense of like, Oh, you can't just sign a band because they have a million MySpace plays. Because who knows what that will actually like translate to exactly. me record sales wise. Exactly. So it was like that weird era of like that was phasing out, and then bands that might have been signed on that principle alone mm-hmm. are phasing out too. So yeah. like, and you guys, I would definitely put somewhere in the middle because you actually did a lot of work, but then you did have a lot of online exposure, right? Definitely. And um, so you know, it was it kind of like I feel like for me, it had ran its course. You know, a couple right. of the members decided to leave too, and we had been together for such a long time that sure. when those members started to leave, I was like, "Man, do I really need to do this?" Yeah, anymore? and yeah, it was yeah. like we were. It was just a struggle, you know, and like yeah. 
can only struggle for so long and I love every minute that I spent with them and every song that we recorded and every memory that we have. But I, you know, having my parents come down on me a lot and not to say that they were any influence on my decision, but when there's, you know, when everyone's telling you that your wheels are spinning Mm -hmm. and then you finally realize it, it's kind of like a damn. All right. Yeah. Well, Well, it's a, it's a hard thing. I mean, it's a hard thing to say goodbye to. Right. Yeah, definitely. Cause that was the band that we had built from a garage to right, right. being a nationally touring act that of course could headline in our own hometown and bring over a thousand people. And you know that for us, that was the only place that we could bring over a thousand right, right. people, mind you. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> as still. much as we tried to play, you know, outside, it just, you know, it just never really happened for us. Yeah. And, um, so then, so then after, after lower definition, there was obviously, cause you, you you of mice and men like you playing with them when did that start was that 2000 that was two that was 2009 nine that's what i thought yeah. okay so, so, those, so those two years like that you basically were just kind of like you were just figuring out what you wanted to yeah do? and we were kind of like on the on the back end of you know once the album came out then it was like all right so our tours are done what's next you know label let's do this and then it was like well we don't really have anything here's you know here's some bones here and there, but you know, I right. can't really fulfill the things that, that we all signed and this and that. Yeah. So then I was like, well, I had talked to our manager at the time and I was just kind of like telling him, you know, like if there's any musicians that are wanting to start something new, yeah. I feel like I just need a fresh, a fresh start, like a, a fresh page. I don't want to, I don't want to join a band that's already going. I don't want to, you know, okay, I just want to, if there's something new come in or if, you know, Someone, something exciting. Sure. Yeah. You know, like I, I just need to reinvigorate myself with something that is fresh, sure. I guess. And, um, so I was put in contact with Austin Carlisle, who's our singer sure, and VR manager. And I talked to him a little bit and he said that he had been talking to this guy, Phil Manancela, sure. who's our other guitar player, um, who I had known from a previous lower definition tour. Cause he was touring in a static lullaby. Right. Right. So we were friends too. And so he was like, yeah, you know, we're wanting to start this band. We've got these two demos that, you know, we recorded, but they don't have to be on the album that, you know, it's not, it's not anything set in stone. Mm-hmm. We just, I want to make a band. We need to make a band. Like let's sure. do this. So then they, he moved out to California and then we started of mice and men. Sure. Like, Brand new, fresh page. Right, right. Here's the studio. Let's start writing the album. Sure, sure. And uh, so that was kind of like instigated between all of us had the same management at the time. And so they kind of helped put us together. And sure, they, they got, made, they got they made us. the connections because they there definitely is like that fallout that obviously always happens when when bands splinter apart. Right. You definitely have your dudes who are the lifers who are just like, yo, I yeah. want to be doing this. Like, yeah, exactly. Still. Exactly. And, and so, like, not, and like, not, not from a sense of like desperation, but just uh-huh. from a sense of like where you're coming from. Like you said, you're just like, I, I still want to be creative. Like, yeah, this. exactly. Yeah. So we all got together and started making that music and rise was involved from the beginning because of Austin's affiliation with attack, 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 attack sure. And I had known them for a long time because they had offered um, lower definition, a deal, mm-hmm. you know, a long, long time ago. And, uh, but I had kept in touch with them because, you know, I, I just always, you were the business with, guy. Yeah, I, was, yeah, I always yeah. keep in touch with everyone yeah. that we had talked to, you know, and, um, I never liked burning bridges or anything like that. So it was kind of like a, you know, I called Craig up and I was like, you know, how's this going to work with fair and stuff? He's like, dude, don't even worry about it. Well, it's not, it's not going to be an issue. You know, it's all right. good. And, and ultimately, you know, it was, it was and there yeah. was, there was no, there was no, um, yeah. Legal problem. ramifications. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah Cause yeah. you know, at the time, like we weren't anything and, Right. I, I, you know, at the same time, you know, lower definition only had so much. Yeah, like, of course. Behind their name. 
so that was kind of already set in stone and Dave, Dave was waiting until he heard some demos to see if he would pick us up to be right. a booking agent, which I was stoked about. Cause I essentially had, I had known our whole team right. that was in place for years before even being in place with them. Yeah. So that made me feel comfortable know, it, about the switch. Right. And it's, it's so, it's interesting too. Cause a lot of people, you know, I mean, myself included can throw stones at bands that obviously start with, you know, not only a huge head of steam, but like, like you said, have a team in place. Yeah. Like, which, you, and I knew that, and I knew how hard that was to get because we never had, we barely had a team, you know, like anybody that managed us was kind of like doing us a favor and trying right. to help us out. Whereas right. we wanted somebody to go and, you know, team yeah. up with me and the band and let's spearhead and of course, you know, let's crush this. Let's die. Let's yeah, die let's in die battle right together. Yeah, yeah. But it was kind of like we had never, lower definition and never really had that full on like right. team of, individuals that were ready to go to bat for the band. And I knew how fortunate of Mice and Men was to have that already in place from the start because, you know, it it didn't come. I feel like it came because of the people that were involved in the group. Of course. Instead of the music of it or anything like that. Like all those people believed in us as individuals Mm -hmm. enough to be like, wow, so these guys are all making music together. Let's back it and let's put it out. And I think there's a difference between, all right, yeah, we're going to see, you know, we're going to see dollar signs out of this and this and that. Like nobody knew how we were going to do really when we first came out and we didn't even do very well, like coming out of the gates. Like it was all relative. There was maybe, there was maybe attention that's placed to you, but there isn't that immediate, uh, there, yeah, there's attention, but there's a difference between attention and success. And I think that's, I, I, I'm glad that you put it out there like that right. because I definitely think that there are, uh, there's just like we were talking about before we were on mic where it was mm. like, there's so many notions where it's just like people can look at of mice and men and be like, Oh dude, fuck that. Band. Yeah. Like, they've had a handout since the beginning. And it's kind of like, well, we, that was because we had all been talking to these people for a long time before the road, the roads had been paved. Right. Exactly. And to so where you, where right, you all so ended then, up. So then when we started with it, it was like, all right, this is, what we've all wanted was an all systems go entity that everyone is ready to, to stand behind everything, you know, yeah, and like yeah, to, yeah. to get the ball rolling immediately. Right. Which is what we had all essentially been waiting for in our other bands and like hoping for and working towards. Right. right. So this was kind of like that fresh start to be able to come in and write music and have it come out on a label and know yeah. that the, the, hit, the, the, hit the ground running. Exactly. Right. And so, so that was, I feel like, you know, we're very fortunate to have had that. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously. I mean, the, the, the drama and members leaving, like that's been covered in well-trodden territory, right. but the, you know, the thing that I was interested in, because obviously since you were basically just surrounded by the chaos, uh-huh. were there moments where you were just like, dude, is this even worth it? I mean, not even worth it, like to continue the band, but like, is this worth all of the internal strife that I'm sure you felt? Yeah. 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 I mean, I think a lot of that comes with, I look at, I tried, try to look at things subjectively from like all points of view. So on a lot of the struggles and things that were going on in the band, I wasn't necessarily a part of it, but like you said, you know, it's kind of happening around me. So I'm involved by default. Right. And I feel like being in a band, you have to deal with personalities and that's something that you will never not deal with because it's going to be hard to get five other, four other dudes or, you know, whoever's touring with you to get everyone on the same page in order to work towards the common goal. And a lot of people have different ways of getting there and methods of the way that they do things. And it doesn't always mesh. And so I've always known that. So a lot of the times, you know, I'll sit back and like, just kind of like be like, well, damn, you know, like I'm not, it doesn't really have to do with me and a lot of this, but 
I do know that the train has to keep moving. You know, mm -hmm. like we can't slow down. We're in the middle of a tour right now. And right. now everyone wants to break up. And, you know, like there was, you know, there's tons of times where we were like, oh shit, are we really going to get through this tour? Like right. people quit on the road. Um, right. You know, there's the up and down, the ups and downs of we didn't get those early years to get to know everybody, you know? Yeah. And then if somebody, if something wasn't working out, you know, a new member would get switched in and then, or, you know, it was just here and there and everywhere because we were trying to find ourselves. And of I was, I was trying, um, explain it in that sense is like, we were kind of in the public eye figuring ourselves out sure. through the growing pains, you know, of course. And so for me to be around that, you know, all I'm thinking is the train's got to keep going. Like we cannot slow down. We have a record to right. support. There's some, and, there's something that we, there's a greater good. Yeah. Here. So like, if you guys can't get along, fucking who cares? Like get along with each other. Like, come on. Like we're on tour. What, how I can totally, how mad so, can you be? We're playing music every night and kids are buying our t-shirts. You know what it's like to play in front of nobody and have nobody buy your shirts. Like it's so funny. I stoked. could just, I, I absolutely like you doing that right there. Just like I close my eyes and I, I visually see you <laughs> doing that. And like, and then also just like those moments of just like pure frustration where I'm sure you're just like head in hands, just being like, God, like I can't, I, I'm fine. Yeah. I get along with everybody. Yeah. Like, <laughs> right. Right. And there's, yeah. And there's, you know, there's times where, where we all didn't get along too, but right. at the end of the day, I feel like when you're in a band, you have to realize that you're all should be out there for the same reasons. Yeah. And if the people aren't, then they don't need to be there. And right. if, and if you have to beg them to be there, yeah, you don't need to beg, That's you know, right. like you want to be around people that enjoy it and want to, you know, right. create and not have to deal with all the BS that comes with all that. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I, th I think it's a really important point too, of like, obviously, like we were talking about earlier where it's like your past experiences obviously inform the knowledge of what it, you have now, yeah, you know, exactly. with the, the situation that you're in now. So it's like, I think that if you didn't have that perspective, it would be a, probably a lot harder for you to be like, all right, well, like, let's just trudge through this or keep a positive attitude. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, that's just something that that's the way that I feel about the situation of music and being in a touring band and collaborating with other musicians. Cause at the end of the day, that's what you're doing. And then yeah. you're collaborating with them and then you get in a van together and then you go and live your dream. And then a lot of the times people forget that that's what they wanted to do. Like that they put themselves there by right. their own choice. So they're blaming everyone else for the problems that they wanted to be a part of. So it's like, well, you can't then don't have such a big problem with these things because you wanted to be out here. No, that's a, that is a really, so, really important point. Yeah, that, that, it does. Like you said, it get that, that idea gets lost. And then when you, when you have to like bring it up to a person and like, Oh, like I, I, I did do this to myself. Right. Like, right. 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 Um, Something I found interesting, it, it, it kind of more in the context of obviously where, what the where the band is at right now, mm -hmm. where it's like this is and when I was doing preparation for the interview, um, where it's like people people have labeled the band like whatever new metal revival, where right. it's like first of all I've literally never heard of that term. Yeah. I mean I've heard of new metal obviously, but yeah, like I've heard of it a lot, <laughs> and that's why I, I I found it because it just came up in more than one interview of the quote unquote traditional sense where it's right, like, right. Oh, your guys' new record, like new yeah. metal revival. Yeah. It, it, I, I had never heard of that prior to, to me looking at this stuff. Had you right. until like journalists or well, people yeah. started to bring it up? Honestly, kind of. Yeah. Like that's, okay. that's kind of where we started to see it. We were, I believe Austin had sent it in one interview okay. that we had been listening to a lot of like Limp Bizkit and corn and stuff like that, which is a lot of the music that we grew up listening to as well. Yeah. And, um, then 
then it, it, it all kind of like, you know, as journalism and stuff like that goes, <laughs> it kind of just got blown out of proportion where we're right. like, well, we're not saying that we're trying to revive it or anything. Like we're just saying that our influences and you could, I feel like personally, well, we were always thinking about that kind of stuff when we were writing from the first album to the second album, sure. the third album, you could hear all that, the bounciness and the groove and, you know, it's a little more well, you guys techni- were- technically metal, yeah. you know, like technical metal right. with the double kicks and stuff like that, less like groove and stuff. But I think once we sat down with a real producer who actually like took us apart and was like, you know, what kind of songs do you guys want to make? Like, what are you trying to achieve here? Right. Like besides break my neck from right. all your double kicking and all your symbols and stuff, you know, like sure. he cut into me a bunch, but you know, rightly so I could take it, you know, it's not, yeah, a, yeah, yeah. it's not a big deal. He's not for attacking me. your personality. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah. He's, he's challenging our musical ideas sure. and saying, so, you know, like that's kind of, that's kind of where we started to develop. Well, what do we want to, what do we want to do with this next record? Like, mm-hmm. do we want to keep making breakneck speed, you know, like aggressive, <laughs> aggressive, aggressive, right. Or do we want to be more flavorful and have different elements in our music? Well, God, what bands had that? Well, we think back to the bands that were kind of like incubus and we think back to like corn yeah. and limp biscuit and Deftones, and you know, there's that music when you heard it, it made you feel a certain way mm-hmm. and our music, kind of beforehand it made you feel a certain way but really you were just kind of like ah you're like screaming at me the whole time you know and you're yeah there's no uh, no nuance about this right and so finding the dynamic in our music was Mm -hmm. really i think i guess uh not a homage to new metal but right the way that you listen to that music and it and it's kind of different and it strikes you it makes you you feel a certain way yeah and you can take elements from that right exactly and so I feel like I I wouldn't say that it's a new metal that, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, and yeah. like everyone's like, yeah, new metal's coming back. I just right. think all those bands now are touring again and they're making new records. Well, and, and plus the timing of that too, where it's just like, you look at whatever late nineties, early two thousands musical terms. That was a long time ago. Yeah. Of course it's coming back. Yeah. Like in some respects, right, like, right, right. it's the same thing could be said about, you know, whatever mid to, you know, late nineties, you know, emo music. It's like, right. of course, of course that's back in, in yeah. favor now. Yeah. A lot of the music is cyclical like that Absolutely. Like it, and it, and it moves in cycles. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I think that we just got with a producer that was really able to bring out the dynamics in our music. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And make a challenge our ideas as songwriters and as musicians and in every aspect yeah, yeah. to where we had never really been challenged like that on our prior albums, we were just kind of like, all right, we're going to go record all these songs that we already have written. And, you know, producer, you record us and we'll do this and we'll write just engineer. Yeah, exactly. Is what a lot of it was engineering, (laughs) but going into this record when it really like invigorated us to be like, wow, you know, like he's going for real tones and we have to perform the right take and he's not going to quantize and he's not going to do this. He's going to ask us questions about what we want like do before we start to track. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And so it really like, it really made us think like, this is how the bands that made platinum albums, this is how bands make real music. Right. Right. And it, and it got us stoked because we're like, wow. So now we understand what it's like to make music let's keep doing this. Sure. Sure. Know? Well, and, sure, so, and, I, and I'm sure too, it, it opens you guys up to the idea that obviously you can't expand past beyond. Cause I, you know, not disparaging obviously like what mm-hmm. warp tour is, right. but a lot of bands feel like that's their ceiling, you right. know, where it's like, dude, if we're main stage warp tour, like that, you know, that like, there's nowhere else we can go beyond right. that where it's like, you guys definitely have 
more of a mobility to where it's like, obviously you can't tour with Lincoln park. You can do these larger rock based things, which right. I, I'm sure is the absolute vision of where you guys want to end up. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. And it, and it wasn't until we really take, took a look at everything that we were doing musically and in order for us to move forward, yeah. we can't keep doing the same thing. You know, you, you have to take for us, it was taking the road less traveled because we already knew I mean, even for this record, we had, we had studio time booked with another producer. Mm-hmm. Like we already knew what record we were going to go make. And it wasn't until we, until David Bendiff came to us and was like, Hey, I don't know if anybody's approached you with saying that they hear what you guys can do with, the, with your music. Right. But I want to produce you guys and I want to make you guys an awesome band. Right, right. You know, like, and he, he came with us very humbly and very like, yeah, we were like, Holy crap. This is David. I, I, right guess, here. I like, guess we should consider this. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And we were like, dude, like nobody's ever come to us and been like, I hear something in your guys's music. I see it in the crowd. Right. I see it in your live show. We need to capture this. And it has not been captured yet. And we yeah. were just, I just got chills saying that. Cause I remember when he, when he came to us in New York and I was like, Holy crap, this guy gets it. Yeah. yeah like, yeah. That's what we've been searching for. That's what our band needs is that challenge to do something that's different and to like find, find a new, a new, um, musical. Work, yeah. Work sure. with, yeah. Work with a new palette of yeah, yeah, the things absolutely. that we had been doing on all the other records, you know, as little pieces of paint and then creating new colors with that. Yeah. I yeah. Guess. No, for sure. Well, two, two last things I want to hit on before I, I, I left you kind of like what I alluded to earlier where it's like, Oh, drummers, like, you know, realistically speaking, aren't much in the spotlight, but it's right. like, you, I mean, when you're looking for interviews of your band, like uh-huh. see, you're, you are Austin yeah, and you are, you're incredibly well-spoken. If Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> it, it, is that something that you've always, uh, like, I don't know. Cause I, I feel like the well-spokenness comes with, you know, either you were like, you know, into reading or like yeah. expressing yourself. Like, yeah. I did it. I did a ton of writing in high school. Okay. I, I loved writing essays. I loved, um, and yeah, I guess it was. Well, it would have been like late elementary school into middle school and Mm -hmm. into high school. Like I loved writing and just being reading and being able to express myself appropriately. Sure. And my dad really helped with that because he wasn't a native English speaker. I could. Yeah. So and my first language was Spanish. So oh really? Yeah. So when we. So you're technically you're technically ESL English is second language. Okay. And so when. I was learning English and like, you know, my mom taught me a bunch of the English too. But when growing up, I would hear the way that my dad spoke and he speaks very eloquently and very precise. So English people can understand him. Sure. And, you know, he has his accent too, South American accent. But I, you know, I picked a lot of that up from him because he used the right words and he used words that people wouldn't normally use. And I would pick that up. And Mm -hmm. when I was in, when I got into high school, I was doing like AP AP English and doing all that stuff, you know, and learning how to use my words appropriately and in the right, in the right sense. And then with the experience of interviews and writing emails and responding to emails and talking to promoters and doing this and doing that every right here and there, you you gotta be be professional. You gotta be nice. You gotta not look like, yeah, yeah. You can't seem like the dumb drummer or, you know, anything (laughs) like that. And, And that was always like, you know, I wanted to be able to speak right. And to be able right. for people to, when, you know, when we socialize and when we interact, yeah, 
they're left not feeling like dumber or, yeah, you know, yeah, like I just, I, I don't know. That's, that's how you present it. It's first yeah. impressions. It's anything. And do you, do you, uh, so do you, do you speak Spanish regularly now or is that no. something okay, I, you, that, that has dropped? You, yeah. You, okay. Well, we used to travel a bunch to Peru when I was younger, like yeah. every summer and, um, um, for a ton of Christmases sure. to visit our family. But, um, once I started touring, then I stopped, you know, all my yeah. breaks and, and every, and every time in between, there was no, no more time for like family practicing. Or, yeah. yeah practicing. Exactly. And the people that I was around was English speaking, you right. know, so it's been a really long time since I've had to speak fluent other than when we went and did a tour in South America, which thankfully recently we went with a data member and I like, I saved us in a couple situations. I could imagine everyone's <laughs> like, hey, uh, yeah. we, we have one person that yeah, can yeah, help yeah, us out yeah, here. Yeah, Tino, <laughs> get over here. <laughs> totally. What's he saying? Yeah, yeah, help us out. I just broke the sink. Right, right. Our, our sound guy, our sound guy like stood up on one of the sinks and broke it. He's like, oh, I don't. I was like, I'm sorry. Right. Yeah, all right. I'll talk to this, this guy. I'm like, lo siento. Like, I'm so sorry. This and that. <laughs> and it was, at the end, it was all good. But. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you, but you were bailing him out. Yeah. Um, last thing I want to hit on was the, because uh, obviously when you, coming from where you've come from and mm-hmm. obviously p- given the platform that you have right now currently, where it's like, you know, people, people look at each individual member of of mice and men and are just like, Oh, they're like, you guys are mythical gods. Like, you know, I'm, I'm just yeah. saying from a crowd's projection. Right. right, right. Un- understandable. And so it's like, it, it is one of those things where it's like, there's so much that's projected on you mm-hmm. as far as a human is concerned and where you're just like, cause you, I mean, you're, you're a dude, like you're yeah. sitting right in front of me. For like, sure. Yeah. You're at my yeah, house. We're hanging. Like, yeah. Right. And so do you, are there things that you kind of like deliberately do and like go out of your way to like, just exemplify the fact that you're just like, like, don't, don't put me up on that thing. Like, or, um, or, or is it just kind of a, something that has obviously come naturally to you? I, cause I'm sure with, it's a, I'm sure it's a struggle yeah, in some I, respects. With great power comes great responsibility. Right. And because we are in the spotlight. Yeah. Some of the, some of the things that we do, we do have to think about, mm-hmm. but more often than not, you know, like, like, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to go tweet about like the dude that, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not just, I'm not going to go like air out a bunch of dirty laundry on the internet because my fans don't need to hear that. Like, right. I don't need to be complaining about stuff or, you know, doing anything like that. I mean, you know, that's just one aspect of it. Right. Uh, one, one random example. Right. Sure. One random example. But realistically, like, I feel like to all of us that the approachability maybe might come naturally, you know, like mm-hmm. to be in the spotlight and have people kind of like looking at us. I, I know at least personally, like, it doesn't really stress me out because I feel like I don't have to be anybody that I'm not. Okay. And that's something that I think all of us in the band try and exemplify with the way that we are is, you know, we're five kind of random dudes that like doing the same stuff together. And after many years can now all hang out together and have a good time and be best buds, right? you know? And so that translates to, being all right, you know, in the public eye. And I feel like when, when anybody sees that and thinks, you know, like how you were saying, like mythical, like untouchable, like this yeah. and that, like when people see me on the street and they come and say, what's up, they're always so surprised with like, wow, you're so nice. I, and I'm like, I, I'm like, who are you meeting? Like, I know I that- need to know. Cause I need to meet them and be like, yo, I met some people and you're not keeping it real. Like to me, we have such a huge platform right? and to use it for anything other than like what's, what's real. And like, what is, I guess like positivity and yeah, there's a lot of negative shit in the world and there's a lot of stuff going on. And we have songs about that too. But when it comes to like 
us as individuals, you know, like we're not unobtainable. Like we're just like every super fan that went to the shows. Cause we were those dudes, you know, climbing over people to get the mic and, yeah. you know, buying every single one of our favorite bands, merch and stuff. We all did that. So it's like, we were able to make our dream of being on a stage true. So now we can share that with everyone. Why wouldn't we want to be like, Oh, Hey, how's it going? Yeah. Have you heard of my band? Obviously like, you know, I'll yeah, even yeah. ask that like, like, Oh, so you've heard of us before. And they go, uh yeah, we've heard of you. <laughs> you're like you're like that's my normal sort of gut reaction go to yeah. like oh you did yeah. you come to see us or did you come to see me? Yeah, yeah. And so so I, I feel like it's a very for us, we get to keep it honest about it. Yeah. And and that's something that our fans can really latch onto because we want them to be honest with themselves and and they you know, they need to be able to listen to something that is substantial. Right. You know, and look at people that are you know, like us in our position, like we were just them 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're, ago. They're, yeah. Cause it, it's all you're trying to, all you guys are trying to do. I mean, from my perception, it's like you, you were, you know, while there are obviously theatrics in your stage show, like relatively speaking, you, you don't wear these huge costumes. Like you're just, you're, you're illustrating a point of like, like we're just, we're, we're a band. Yeah. We're, we're just rocking out. For- yeah. We're just rocking out to our songs. Right. And, um, and that's that's something that's cool and and I'm happy that our band is at a point now where people can see that and we don't need all the extra for you know like frilly things and all all that stuff is I don't know right. it's kind of like it's never really been kind of what we're about yeah 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 no I mean it's just it's it is interesting I I like the way you're putting it as far as like you're just you're just trying to be you're ultimately you're trying to be authentic with with yourself which will ultimately then reflect on your interactions exactly yeah that's exactly perfect with, with people <laughs> yeah straight up because i mean if there you shouldn't have to hide you know who you are or, or what or what anything for anything you know and right. maybe that's why a lot of rock stars get bad press or like are in in the headlines yeah. for you know negative things is because that's probably how they feel all the time and right right we don't feel that way all the time right right and there's not we feel very fortunate to be where we're at. So we're going to reflect that in our, in our demeanors and the way that we are. Yeah. 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 No, it's perfect. Well, it's, it's yeah, a good, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a good thing that you were doing that. Cause yeah, like I said, there, it, it is funny that that, um, still is perpetuate. I mean, honestly, on every level, of, yeah. it's like, if you're a band that plays in front of a hundred people, you still get to sometimes those weird interactions of people like being like, Oh, I, I, I like, I came to talk to you like all bashful. And yeah. it's just like, what like dude i, I there's a hundred people here like yeah for sure <laughs> we're cool like yeah, why yeah, do definitely. you think this is and, but yeah and i love i love that interaction and i feel like that's something that being a being a musician and stuff is like that's the best form of compliment because you know you write the music and you have the song and you play the song every night and you know right. that's your song you love it yeah but then when somebody else can love the music too and have enough like, you know, guts to come up and talk to you or whatever. Yeah. Because they have only heard your music and seen you on the internet or something like that. Right. right. You know, you want, I, at least personally, like I'll try and make them feel comfortable. Cause I know how weird that must be because I was that kid too. That was like, of course, oh. hey, hey. you know, I probably even was like, Hey, hey Ray, yeah. you know, like back in the day, like, Hey dude, I, I freaking love taking man. Like this is sick. We're like <laughs> playing together, you know, like, yeah. Cause I remember being that and it was, you know, meeting individuals like yourself and stuff that, really helped me be, you know, the person in the spotlight that I am now, because when the fans come up and talk to me, I want to make sure that they know that we're cool. You know, like if you, right. if you love our band, you know, I love you, you're supporting of course my art and you're supporting, 
what we believe in. And, and you never, like and you never know that it's like, cause ultimately I think what, what everybody wants out of this sort of independent music scene, cause I mean, I, you, you, even though you guys have reached massive levels of success, you've come from that scene. So I, right. Will, we're still on an independent label. Absolutely. We're still exactly. independently managed and right. you know, like it's all, in, it's all with, kept in house. Right. Yeah. And that's, and that's something that we feel like is a, perfect situation for our band to be in because we're still so much involved in every, we're involved in every single thing that happens from my cement. Right. So like anything that you see of anything, like we've all been working your hands the have been on it. Right? Yeah. And because we want to make sure that our fans are getting what represents us, you know, and how not just like filtered through your lens. Right. right. Exactly. And um, so yeah, it's very, we're very fortunate to have that situation where we can be so hands-on and, you know, be at a label that has three people that we could are on my speed dial and I could call and be like, yo, I just had this cool idea to do to, right. done two hours later. It's like, here's this, here's that, you know, perfect. And um, yeah, yeah, yeah. having that type of involvement really helps because we get to create the most for our fans because now we're stoked and we get to do cool, like 24 karat gold um, freaking seashell necklaces from our album. And we can do cool flexi disc perks right. on our packages and we get to do all these cool things that we've wanted to do for a long time because our home team, you know, our team believes in us. Right. And so we get to give the fans the best experience at the end of the day too. Right. Cause it's a direct reflection of the ideas that we have. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And hopefully, you know, I don't see our band ever losing that. Right. But I mean, I don't see our band ever losing that. I mean, right. as long as I'm here, yeah, exactly. <laughs> cause I know I'm going to be the same dude. Right. Exactly. So I know I'm not changing with the way I feel. No, about no. It. You, you've as, as far as I've known you, you've always been the same dude. So. <laughs> well, I really appreciate you hanging out. I yeah. Mean, this thanks, was, this was enjoyable. For Definitely. Good. So there you go. Like I said, I was, I was hoping that this conversation was able to paint a broader picture of what it takes to finally kind of, you know, being a band that is successful, doing it, touring, identifying with people, connecting with people. Um, because that that ultimately is why we're all drawn to this music scene, you know? Just because a 14-year-old boy or girl is in love with a band like Of Mice and Men, and you may look at it and be like, I can't identify with anything that they have going on. That doesn't make it any less authentic because people are actually having connections with this and being emotionally moved by this music. So, again, thank you to Tino for hanging out with me and making... He took an Uber over to my house. Like, he doesn't have a car, so he's like, I'm going to go ahead and do that, and then I'm going to take an Uber to practice. Like, that—that that is very kind of him. So, anyways, the producer, as always, is Tom Richfield. Pray to the internet gods that they fix the internet in his neighborhood because he's been having a lot of problems. And I know it causes him stress, causes me stress. So let's let's go the UK internet. Let's go ahead and rally around Tom's neighborhood. And I can't wait to just bring out all of these awesome shows that I have coming up. Each week, it just keeps, it's a crescendo. And it's all building towards the month of April. The show's three-year anniversary. I've got some amazing guests and I can't wait to share them with you. So until next week, be safe, everybody.